We're so glad you've joined us. Right now, it's Perry and Shauna Replay from 89.3 Moody Radio. Hey, it's so good to kick off this day with you. Hope you're doing well. I think one of my favorite parts of this job is introducing you to people that just have the coolest stories, cool people with cool stories. And today is no exception to the rule. Craig Raymond is with us this morning. And first of all, you need to know he is a follower of Jesus. He's husband to Ashley and father to Julia. He's passionate about serving pastors and helping people discern and develop their God dreams, finding their vision. He's a former financial advisor, church planter, executive pastor, and is currently serving as chief of staff for the Great Lakes region of the Wesleyan Church. Good morning, Craig. Good morning. Thank you so much for being here. So glad to be here. Thank you. Did we get you up crazy early? I'm not a morning person normally, but uh, yeah, but I'm glad to be here. You got a nice voice for radio. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Very cool. He says, thank you. (laughs) Well, I got a glimpse of your video, Craig, of um, the legacy of your family and how faith came into your family. And it's it's a fascinating and beautiful and inspiring story. And we would love it if you would share that with us this morning, starting with how did faith enter into your family? Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to be able to share what God has done uh, through five generations now of our family. But our story started out, um, my great-grandparents in Traverse City, Michigan, mm. uh, 29, 30 years old, far from Christ, Mm. didn't have, didn't attend church. Um, You know, I I hear stories, chain smoker, uh, uh, profanity, you know, those types of things, just far from the Lord, living life. And a local pastor came into their world. He was also a handyman, helped them out with some things around their house invited their kids to the kids' ministry. Mm. The kids started going, uh, you know, free babysitting, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and eventually the pastor came to my great-grandparents' house, uh, kind of a house call type of thing, shared Christ with my great-grandma, and she gave her, her life to the Lord mm. that day. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as I understand it, three or four weeks later, as they started to go to church, my great-grandpa Gilbert, uh, they were they were getting ready. The bell had rung. Church was about to start. And the pastor said, hey, Gib, when are you going to give your life to Christ? And he said, right now. Mm-hmm. And so they walked down to the altar, and he gave his life to Christ. And that's, that's where it started. Wow. Because the pastor who had some handyman skills entered into your great-grandparents' lives. Yeah, and was willing to take a risk and and share Jesus, mm-hmm. share his story and and share share the gospel. Yeah, talk about that cuz you know that hits us in real life being willing to take a risk to talk with people about Jesus. It can seem really awkward and it can be scary and we fear rejection. You know, what can you say to us here and to the person listening about just how to move into the faith conversation and take that risk because it is a risk and we might get rejected. So uh, I should warn you, this is an emotional topic for me. Mm -hmm. And um, what I'd say is it's worth it. It's worth 
uh, for me, the fourth generation of of my eternity changing. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it is scary. It, it's really scary. I deal with that all the time. Mm-hmm. But when I think about the difference it could make in a family's life, and of course in a person's life, and in a community's life, mm-hmm. um, the reward is so big. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it puts the risk in, in perspective, really. Yeah. yeah. Because you're not just impacting the person you're sharing the gospel with, you're impacting everybody that they come in contact with for their entire lifetime. Right. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah. Huge, huge risk, the huge reward. Yeah, so I just want to encourage you as I encourage myself. Here, Ron Hutchcraft, he's a radio guy, and he's got this three open prayer, and I've been praying this recently, and I don't know if I have this in the right order, but Lord, open a door open a heart and open my mouth. Mm -hmm, That's good. Open a door, open a heart, open my mouth. Help me take that risk because it impacts generations to come. Craig was explaining to us how his great grandparents came to faith by way of their handyman who happened to be a pastor and shared the gospel and they both gave their lives to Jesus. And I'm going to go ahead and guess, Craig, that you tell me, but that they passed down their faith, but we know that faith is an individual decision. So tell us a little bit, just pick up the story from great grandma and grandpa giving their life to Jesus and how faith came to you. Yeah, they led really, really well, really strong in, in handing down uh, passing along their faith mm-hmm. uh, to others, but also in in through our family, and uh, so I grew up going to church. Uh, grew up in a in a Christian home, but I was at a VBS when I was six, and I distinctly remember there being an invitation mm-hmm. and going forward and giving my life to Christ there. Uh, and then, uh, you know, as probably as much as I knew as a six year old, I. Um, you know, I, I walked in that, mm-hmm. but at 11, I had a distinct experience with God in my, in my dad's truck and, uh, decided it was time to go all in, uh, as again, as much as I knew at 11. Do you remember what prompted that decision at that point? Uh, I believe it was around 1991. Uh, it might've been, uh, one of the wars in Iraq. I was, I was in my dad's truck by myself. He went in to get my brother and I just felt like the Holy Spirit whispered to me, it's time. Yeah. So it was kind of like a surprising moment. You didn't expect it to happen. Absolutely. I had no idea. So where did you grow up? Near Flint, Michigan. Okay. Okay. Very good. Well, continue from there. You're, you're 11, you give your life to Jesus. Then you're going into the teen years. That's where your metal is really tested. Yeah, so I I go into high school and I'm living for Christ and I I'm part of a Bible study after school that's in a teacher's room. It's all student led. There's probably four or six kids in it. And as I became a senior, um, the baton got passed to me to lead it, and I reluctantly said yes, but I I led it and um, it started to grow. Kids were giving their lives to Christ. We were serving the community, mm-hmm. it, you know, from about four kids to about 40 wow. after school. And 
I started getting this distinct impression from the Lord that I was called to ministry mm. and uh, I wanted nothing to do with it. I loved following the Lord. I, I felt like I'd given him everything, but I w- was already working at an investment firm as a co-op student. And I loved that. Mm. And I felt like the Lord gave that to me and I didn't want to give it up. Mm. Yeah. So you felt the call of the Lord and you said, mm, no. I, I did. I had I had no interest in being a boring pastor. <laughs> I get that. I do get that. Um, so you said no. Did you say no to your faith or just no to going into vocational ministry? That's a good question. I, my dad had some moments of being a hypocritical in his faith as I was growing up. And I knew I didn't want to be a hypocrite. And I have a fairly, God gave me a fairly logical brain. And I just said, okay, if I'm not following him in this, then I'm not following him. Mm-hmm. And so to me, those, there was no way to not be all in. I was either all in or I was all out. Yeah. Yeah. So you decide, you know, not vocational ministry and you don't want to be a hypocritical. So what is... What did it look like for you to just put aside your faith? How long was that? Yeah, I, I just I remember the conversation I had with God. I, I said, I still believe you exist. I just don't want to follow you. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, I um, I decided to just do whatever I wanted to do. Hmm. And it was about two and a half years. The God's amazing grace for me is that I'm terrible at leading my life. Mm. And so it only, it, it took two and a half years, but it only took two and a half years to yeah. run my life into a gutter, mm. into a place I did not want to be. And I said, okay, God, every day I have left is yours. Mm. It's yours because I don't trust me leading it. And I don't see, any, see anybody else killing it out there. And so you got it. So that was from your senior year of high school till about you were 20. What did it? 20, 21. Did yeah. you go to school? What did it look like to run off into the gutter? Oh boy. That's, yeah, that's a great question. I I mean, um, I I was working full-time at the investment firm, going to school full-time. And, and the way I say it is I partied full-time. So, uh, you know, drinking, um, I, yeah, just everything you'd imagine. Uh, and it was this distinct idea that if morals come from God and values come from God and I'm not following him, I can do whatever I want to do. And I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll, I'll let your listeners fill in the blanks. <laughs> yeah. Jesus came looking for you. Let's talk about that. Yeah, I love that. Uh, C.S. Lewis says that uh, God's the great hound of heaven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he pursued me and pursued me and pursued me. There would be times in my apartment in those two and a half years where I would break down crying and I would sense my family praying for me mm. and the Holy Spirit convicting me. And even in that, I would go back to church for a couple of weeks 
kind of, me- I, I call it medicating with church, hmm. feel just enough better and then go back to my whatever, you know, my life. Yeah. Where did you go to college? Uh, I started out at the Flint branch of University of Michigan. Got it. Got it. And then I, I transferred ultimately to Indiana Wesleyan. Okay. So you're, you're going through these two and a half years. You are aware of God's presence. You are aware that yeah. he's real. Yeah. Are you feeling a lot of shame about what you're into? Not really. Okay. Um, All right. That's fair. <laughs> uh, the, at moments of it, uh, windows of it, but uh, on the on the normal, not a whole lot. So it, it was kind of a, and I don't know the specifics, but, you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll, that kind of vibe in your life. And, and I certainly have my own version of that. But yeah, so you just keep going deeper and deeper and deeper. And what, what happens? Yeah. A sin is really fun uh, initially. I mean, there is some, some good parts to it. Uh, it not good, but maybe yeah. fun. Enjoyable. <laughs> Enjoyable yeah. parts, better word. Thank you. And, uh, but it takes you deeper than you want to go and farther than you want to go. And so um, about two, little over two years in, I'm at a bar on a Wednesday night drunk. So first of all, it's Wednesday and I'm drunk, not good. And uh, my friend probably had enough to drink, got enough courage up to say to me, he just kind of pulled me aside and said, hey, a girl that you dated six months ago, uh, there's a rumor she has HIV. Mm. And uh, just to be explicit, we had sex outside of marriage. And uh, I was instantly uh, fearful. Yeah, that'll put the fear of God in you. Yeah. Yeah, so I... um. I went and got tested the next day, and uh, but it, what what I didn't know is at least back then it took a week to get your test results, mm. and so God had my attention, and I didn't make any deals with Him. I what you know I didn't say God if you get me out of this and I don't have HIV then you know I'll follow you. I just said whatever days I have left are yours. Because mm-hmm. I clearly can't run my life. This is the best of Craig Raymond in this in this room getting tested for HIV. Yeah, this is where the my being Lord of my life leads me, mm. and it's not working. And so I I had another conversation with God. I said I don't know that I fully trust you, but I trust you more than I trust myself. Mm. And so every day I have left is yours. Now you you mentioned earlier in your story that it was the point where you felt like God was calling you into vocational ministry that you were like, ooh, no, I'm not gonna follow you there, so therefore I'm not gonna follow you at all. So at this point when you said what whatever days I have left are yours, did you knowingly were you knowingly committing to stepping into vocational ministry? I I mean, I think that was in my mind, but it 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 didn't matter. Whatever that meant, he had everything. I surrender. Yeah. Two weeks later, so I'm working at an investment firm. I've had several promotions. Things are going really well. I love it. And um, two weeks later, 
God whispers to me, I want you to, I want you to quit your job and go to Indiana, finish college at Indiana Wesleyan. And I said, no, I was like, not doing that. And he, he said, didn't you just say every day is, is your, is mine. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I was like, yeah, you're right. And said, okay, I'm doing it. I went in and gave, gave my uh, notice, finished out the summer and transitioned to Indiana Wesleyan. And that's where it began. So during that, that week, you're waiting for the HIV test to come. What did that week look like? What was the inner world of Craig in that week? I mean, that, that, there was shame, there was guilt, uh, there was remorse uh, for, but it was, it was a lot of quiet moments it was by myself. Uh, I went over to a friend's house and talked with their parents uh, and, you know, kind of broke down and cried mm-hmm. uh, and said, here's where I'm at. And, yeah. But it would, that was a really tough week. Mm-hmm. And uh, the results came back negative. I, I didn't have HIV. I don't have HIV. But that didn't change what I meant in my core. Filled with the Holy Spirit, empowered by Him to the best of my ability, he, He's God every day. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. it. What stands out to me about what you just shared is, you know, I think sometimes we we lie to ourselves or the enemy lies to us and says that God only speaks to holy people. God only speaks to people who are doing all the right things. And Craig, you were hearing the voice of God. You were being led by God at a time when you were not pursuing a godly lifestyle. God speaks. And if you are questioning right now, you're like, maybe he speaks, but he doesn't speak to me. God speaks and he speaks to you and he loves you. And if you're feeling like God is nudging you right now in a direction and you're just questioning whether that is the Lord or not, well, I would encourage you, one, I want you to know God speaks. Two, I'd encourage you to talk with somebody who regularly hears from the Lord. Mm -hmm. Tell him what you're hearing and bring it into community and see what he's saying to you. But I believe that God has something for you today that he's leading you in a direction. Tell us about the impact of just knowing that people were praying for you. Yeah, my family was, uh, you know, there's several ways to play uh, the scenario where you have a a wayward son or grandchild. Um, But they were, they weren't up in my face about it. Mm. They weren't preachy about it. In fact, uh, they said very little about it. Um, But, there were moments, uh, just about every two or three months, uh, as I'd previously mentioned that my, I would be in my apartment by myself and I'd break down crying and it was like the Holy Spirit was present and pursuing me. And I knew that there was a connection to those moments, uh, and my family praying for me. I knew, I just knew they were praying for me and I I don't know uh, how the equation works out with what God does and uh, what prayer does and how that all works, but I know that made uh, a lasting difference in my life, that their prayers um, interceded for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you were, uh, talk about that, that week of wrestling when you got some news. Tell us about that again. 
Yeah, uh, I I was at a bar on on a Wednesday night, drunk, and a friend told me that a girl that I had uh, slept with uh, potentially had HIV, and so I got uh, a test the next day, but it took a week to get the result, and God had my attention, mm-hmm. and and I just uh, th- this was back when. Um, HIV, you know, if you had it, if you were positive, you know, you maybe lived another 10 years. I mean, mm. this was back a long, long, long time ago. Um, but they, I didn't know what was going to transpire. And in that week, I I would just went before the Lord and I said, all right, um, I am terrible at leading my life. Mm. And I'm not sure I trust you fully, but I trust you more than I trust me. And so every day I have left is yours. So it's really gripping that, you know, your dad or your mom didn't sit you down and, you know, have a come to Jesus talk. doesn't sound like they did that. And it sounds like in not doing those things and being preachy toward you, that that was a good thing. You know, I've thought about that and and what I would do now if, if, if this was my daughter or what they should have done or, you know, I, um, I remember coming home, uh, from spring break as in my, at my senior year and I had a suitcase in one hand and a beer bong in the other. And I walked right in their house, like, like it wasn't a thing. Mm. My dad followed me downstairs and he said, Craig, you know we don't agree with that, um, but we're pr- we'll pray for you. We, and so there was a little bit more conversation there, but the point was what I remember was I love you. Mm-hmm. We're praying for you, and we absolutely disagree with the decisions you're making right now. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't like he they weren't clear about where they stood. But their love was clear as well. I think the order of those is really important too. You know what I mean? We love you. We're praying for you. And we absolutely disagree. Not, you know, we absolutely disagree, but we're praying for you when we love you. <laughs> you know right, what I mean? Right. I think that's significant. Yeah. We have parents listening right now and they have, you know, kids, whether they're teenagers or they're into their adult life who just aren't following Jesus. They're away from the Lord. I can think of several right now who text us and, you know, what can you say to them just to encourage them this morning? Yeah. Your prayers absolutely matter. Intercede for your kids and don't give up. Mm. Don't give up. Continue to pray, continue to love, continue to uh, speak truth. Mm. Uh, But it's that, that perfect, uh, intersection of grace and truth mm. that Jesus uh, leads with. Yeah. I was just talking with, with a family member of mine and and they've had a lot of struggles with their teenage daughter. And we were just talking about this the other day. And what came to me is just, just do the next right thing with her. Yes. And build a bridge for her. Mm, you know, good. build a bridge for her to a life of flourishing. Yes. And so every step you make, every decision you make, you're building this bridge that will lead her to life. That's good, Perry. Yeah. That's a good word. 
two and a half years of wild living, and then you're at a bar and a friend says, you know, one of your former girlfriends has been diagnosed with HIV, you get the HIV test, but it takes a week. You've got a week to wrestle with your mortality because at that time, right. that was pretty much a, a death sentence. Right. But, so pick it up there because you gave your life over to Jesus and then something really cool happened as a springboard out of that. Yeah, so I I give my life entirely over to Jesus. Every day I have left is his. And uh, he asked me uh, to go to Indiana Wesleyan to transition, quit my job uh, and as a in an investment firm and go down to Indiana. Can I ask how old you were at that point? Uh, 21. Okay, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was halfway through college mm-hmm. and... Um, so I, I go down I go down to Indiana Wesleyan and I'm praying for the people in my life that don't know Christ. Uh, my specifically my friends, the, the guys I used to drink with, and uh, my grandpa on my on my dad's side. He was uh, 77 and uh, had never given his life over to Christ. And so I'm in my dorm room at night. Praying, praying for for these people, praying for my grandpa, and I feel like the Lord whispered to me, "Go and go and witness, uh, go share your faith with your grandpa." Mm-hmm. It was six hours away. I'm in college. Uh, he's up north, Michigan, and one of the interesting things about that story was. I was excited about my faith and I just didn't know. I was like, God, is this me just being excited or is this you? Yeah. Like, do I know your voice yet? Yeah. And he was gracious enough. Um, the next day I happened to be in my dorm room and you have to understand my grandpa was like, you know, phone phones are for emergencies. He didn't, he didn't call people. Yeah. And he, I get a call from my grandpa mm. And I happened to be in my dorm room. Mm. And he says, when are you coming up to visit me? Wow. 12 hours later. And I was like, I just knew in my spirit, okay, God, thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yep. Um, after that, he said, uh, you don't really need that confirmation. My word says to do this, so go ahead and feel free. Yeah. Um, but that confirmation meant a lot at, at the moment. So I, I make plans to go up in the next couple weekends. I go up. Uh, spend the weekend with my grandpa. And it was amazing. The Holy Spirit was all over the place. Wow. And I was able to share my faith. And we come to Sunday and he he wanted to go to church, but then he was like, ah, no, let's not go. I didn't know why, but I trusted that. We did a little devotional at the kitchen table. And I invited him to follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. And he said, yes. Uh, my dad had been praying for him for years. It was 25 plus years of faithful, faithful prayer. And I just happened to get to be there yeah. uh, as he crossed the line. But w- one thing he said to me, he said, Craig, because he watched me go off the rails uh, from a distance, but he watched me and he said, he said, I figured if you could, if you could do it, wow. wow, I could do it. Wow. That is just so amazing how the Lord uses our failures. Yeah. For his kingdom. He's so good. Wow. 
Yeah. But isn't that just the desire of all of our hearts that, that somebody would see in us, you know, how we're following after Jesus and, and be encouraged by that in some way and say, if you could do it, then maybe I can do it too. Yeah. I mean, that's really what it's all about. Yeah. It was awesome. And, and I, and I, I go back home uh, on the way, on the way back to school, I'd stop at my parents' house and I'd tell my dad <laughs> and he didn't believe me. Mm. Sorry, this gets gets me emotional. That's great. But he didn't believe me at first. I said, Dad, Grandpa gave his life to Christ yesterday. He's like, No, he didn't. Wow. <laughs> and he started crying. Obviously he he did he called my grandpa, confirmed the story. Wow. And uh but his faithful prayer paved the way. What kept your grandpa from crossing the line? What what was his holdout? You know, I something I find a lot as a as a pastor in in these types of conversations. It's typically and and it was for him control, just wanting to wanting to run his own life, mm-hmm. yeah, not wanting to have to submit to somebody else, something else. And isn't that an everyday thing for mm-hmm. us? Yeah, as followers yeah. of Jesus. Yeah, you know, like just the other day, my brother Dan was just encouraging me to live my life with open hands, just physically to open my hands to the Lord and just release everything that I try to control. Yeah. It, it, it this is a, a, a growth area for me, but one where, you know, there's a lot of freedom in the Lord and, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and, but I just even a, a few minutes ago, I got an email and I thought about like I I stopped the Lord prompted me to to just ask him what he wanted me to do with mm-hmm. that email. Right. I, please hear me. That's not super common for me. I'm not living that all the time, but I'm I, I want I, that's where I'm going. Mm-hmm. That's where I want to grow is that in every moment is submitted to him. Yesterday morning I just woke up with this heavy on my heart. I think I went to bed with it on my heart Sunday night, but like I want to know what it is to live a full day completely surrendered, just from sunup to sundown, you know? I that, mean, it, that's a great goal. I feel like I, I got it for about 10 minutes a day. <laughs> I, know. <laughs> I know. And that was my reality, right? Like, I think I was getting ready in the bathroom and in the, in the morning hours and that very early. And my thoughts just started to get derailed a little bit. And I was like, well, maybe tomorrow, <laughs> you know, but, but God is the God who his mercies are new every morning, you know, and I, you don't even have to wait until tomorrow if you blow it 10 minutes in, because it's like, okay, from this point forward, I want the rest of the day, you know, I want to, I want to live fully surrendered to you. That's right. And, and, and I think one of the things I'm learning for a long time, I tried to muscle it up, discipline, self-will. Yeah. Now I, my prayer is, God, will you fill me? Will you do it? I'm, I'm submitted. I'm available, but you've got to do it yeah. because I can't do it in my own power. Thanks for listening to Barry and Shauna Replay. To learn more, text us at 800-968-8930. That's 800-968-8930.